かこういうマジで早くそうだな<笑>ああ本当にドキドキ見てこの男
when you look at the science behind what makes a human, you know, generally be thrown into one of these two categories, it's literally just a wash of the hormones. That's why when you take hormones, it changes certain features, your fat distribution, um, certain production of specific cells will change. Like there's a whole lot more to it than what some random turf or bigot will tell you on the internet. Like they, they honestly have no understanding of the science behind it. Unlike the rest of, you know, the scientific community who does like we, a doctor, mm -hmm. There's, there's, it's just crazy how there's so many fields of science that prove that this is an actual thing and even um, have evidence to support what's going on and basically are telling these people that they're wrong, but they uh, adhere to it religiously. And gender then there's other cultures in the world that have recognized those gender identities since the dawn of time. <laughs> and I had someone literally say this to me. They literally said this to me. Yeah, but we're not talking about other cultures. <laughs> but what? there's other cultures uh, like it's like so we if we're only allowed to to define existence through what our culture is that's just not going to work like our culture didn't have zero for the longest should we get rid of zero simply because people from uh from a different continent came up with it first like this makes no sense it makes no sense well they're very like willingly ignorant about a lot of things like i feel like in terms of practicality and science the transphobic mm -hmm. argument makes it makes no sense because like even if you were to talk about chromosomes and genitalia on a practical in a practical sense where ah! would you pull that out well yeah Unless like you're a dna ah! scientist you can't test somebody's chromosomes you don't know what they have Exactly. And unless you go into a public bathroom and say everybody drop your drawers there's like no way to know what somebody has in their pants and i feel like the type of people who have these types of concerns have to be the type of people that peek over in the urinal like they have to be there mm. it's weird to be so fixated on these things it's not practical at all and even like when they talk about it's basic biology it's basic science it's a lot of them say it's eighth grade biology, but that's indicative of the whole willingful ignorance because in order to call yourself a biologist, I would say that you have to have more than eighth grade biology experience. Like yes. mm -hmm. there's more to it. That's why there's specialized science in these things. There's a lot more to it than what you learn in middle school and even high school. People go to college and get doctorates in these things. Well, see, what, what we're seeing a lot is is there's that narrative, and we talked about this last week, Lucy, with Cynthia, how the, the culture is just permeating transphobia and, and talking about these things in ways that normalize hatred and normalize inaccuracy and misinformation to the point where you can't even have these conversations with people because they think that they're somehow smarter than biologists because, oh, you can't listen to the mainstream media because they're just trying to force this agenda onto us. Well, that's one reason why I stopped. Whenever somebody says they get second grade biology, I just stop talking to them because your second grade understanding uh, or, or even eighth grade understanding of how the standard model of physics works is wrong. Like in the sense of it's, we know what actual um, atoms look like and it's not like a little planet being orbited by another little planet. It's literally just a probability cloud. So when somebody tells me, oh, this is eighth grade science or second grade science, the first thing in my mind is you're, you're just willingly ignorant and I'm not going to talk to you because I would not debate with a pigeon or play chess with a pigeon. 
The pigeon is just going to shit on the board, knock some stuff over and fly away. You're not going to change these people's minds. So it's just like, let them grow up or whatever, but they don't have to do it near me. But I will fight them on <laughs> certain topics. Like, I'll just go to somebody who's more willing to listen because some of these people are just ignorant. And it's not your responsibility mm -hmm. to enlighten them. People will try to tell you that, but it's not. Do not... Mm -hmm put forth as much effort as possible to try to convince this one person because they're just going to double down. That's going to leave you tired yeah. and you have life to live. Fuck that person. For use, they use to justify all the hate that they put out and science is like the only thing that can like dispute all that. So they're trying to just make science not a thing just to further push their agenda. That's my take on it. Hmm. Interesting. Brooke. Oh, go ahead, Lucy. Oh, I just was saying I didn't know you were Shinto. Did you know about Inari? Okay. Not not the mm -hmm. but Inari, the, the Japanese uh, lore of Inari. With um, the, I'm I actually I've just started getting into Shinto. Honestly, um, I was non-religious for the longest time, but like in the last year, I started um, because my partner is. Uh, he does his like uh, traditional African spirituality and he's like, hey, Otto, you should like really start get looking into your Japanese spirituality because it's very similar. And I was like reading up and stuff. So I started doing that. And yeah, so I've not gotten like super far into it, but I've been that's why I'm coasting spirituality wise. If you get a chance, I would start. So, I would because, like, that. I was raised. Yes. Oh, no, you're fine. Keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean okay. to cut you off. Definitely will. Oh, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I was, my mom is like super Midwest Christian, Protestant, whatever. But my dad's Japanese. So, my whole life, I didn't, I didn't, my mom tried to like, push the Christian agenda. But then when I was like 12, she realized it wasn't going to happen. So I was just very like existentialist, but not like Western existentialist, more like Eastern existentialist for the longest time and very much just science and that kind of thing. But yeah, I have felt more spiritually connected to my Japanese culture in the last couple of years. Like, I think since COVID, I started just feeling, just feeling more connected. Um, but yeah, it, we don't uh, dispute science, though. See, that's the difference. Um, from uh, in everything I've come across, it's mainly like the Western religions that are trying to do that. One thing that I was going to point out um, that I think you'll really find enjoyment in is the lore behind the... Uh, uh, it's named Inari, which I know uh, people who didn't know sushi know of Inari the sushi, but like completely different one. Just look up the lore on yeah. Inari for a um, a non. It was basically a. It, it, it's either a gender nonconformist slash they were a genderless being that sometimes mm -hmm. appears as a woman, sometimes appears as a young man, sometimes appears as an mm -hmm. old man. And it was, it, this spirit is always a very helpful spirit in Japanese folklore mm -hmm. that would give you ways to do things, but it, it didn't come at like the typical cost. It wasn't like, oh, give me this and uh, give me your soul and I'll help you. It's more along the lines of like, you had to learn a lesson along the way. But a mm -hmm. lot of 
Lord did have um, this idea that like gender is a fluid concept, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely come across um, Inari in my readings, uh, yeah. but I, I'll definitely have to read more into it. A lot of um, Eastern mythology does have less of this belief of like, we must destroy this thing that speaks against us and figure out ways to incorporate what we're currently learning. And there was a lot of LGBT myth inside most cultures outside. Well, the West did have it, but we've kind of whitewashed or what most uh, conservatives will consider sanitize it. Like for instance, um, you know, instead of admitting that, uh, for example, Isaac, gay they were like no 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 he was just a bachelor um his whole life who happened to live with this guy and when this guy uh ended their friendship he just happened to stop eating for weeks and start you know started crying because it was his best friend who he used to live with and then when his best friend made amends with him and they started living back together again things were fine you know and like they deal with alexander all that all that shit like most Western um, historians yeah. from the yester yonder. And there just, was scientists that were asexual as well, and they were totally erased. So like, no, asexuality isn't real. Oh yeah, there, there was a lot of um, ace scientists and stuff throughout history that were just completely like, oh yeah, this person was just a hermit. And I was like, no, they, they didn't want anything to do with, like when you read their actual diaries and stuff, they'll say things like, they thought something was wrong with them because they didn't have a sexual attraction to anyone. It's not that they were mm -hmm. lonely. It's not that they were feeling broken. Like some people try to ascribe to ace people. They were just like, no, I just, I'm content being with myself and there should be nothing wrong with that. But society tells me that there's something wrong with that. Society is like very hypersexualized when you think about it. Like yeah, sex has driven society since the dawn of time and the weird thing about it is that there's a lot of people that are like very i think that in a way puritanism is kind of coming back i see a lot of like lashing out at alternative type of sexualities like mainly like kink communities and things i see a lot of lashing out and mm -hmm. not understanding, even though at the same time, those hidden fringe sexual desires are laced in society, honestly, historically. Like you see depictions of those types of things in like middle age art. It's sex has been deeply driven in society for so long that I think that it's very important to a lot of people. And that's why they have like, they have no way of understanding what it's like to not have sexual desire because sex literally runs the society. It's the way that we've built it. And misogyny goes so deeply into that too. That's why women are seen as nothing but sexual objects to a lot of people. They can think like that's literally when they say that's how men's brains are wired. Like a lot of times it really is society is catered to them and their sexual desires their entire lives and so when you meet somebody who not only isn't interested in having sex with you but not interested in having sex at all it's like they can't understand it their brain just freezes well that's true like did you ever notice that um 
some of the popular media outlets from the early aughts, like 2000 to 2010, whenever they would display anything that was considered lesbian or bi and it was femme presenting anyone, it was basically for the male gaze, like, and not male gay, but the male gaze, like their perspective and views. It was meant to be a, ooh, that's hot and that's sexy because society normally caters to that. It's not, oh, this person's a lesbian because, you know, that's just who they are. It's this person's a lesbian because it's hot for men. I'm pretty sure to this day, the top viewed genre of porn for men is lesbian porn. I think more men view lesbian porn than women do. And that's just really, it's crazy to think about, especially considering that lesbian porn is usually so much more tender. And in some ways, like you can watch some of them and see that it was made for a man's view. But in a lot of them, you can kind of tell that they're treating each other differently than a man would treat this woman. Yeah. Oh, another thing is you can check the titles, like the way that the titles are presented as well. Like the video, if it's made by an amateur flit, like um, an amateur creator, the amateur creator will do typically more sensual stuff with their their partner who's been presenting in lesbian porn. But you'll see like when it gets stolen and posted somewhere else, they'll change the titles. And that's something that was being um, researched on was the way the titles compared to what the actual content creator labeled it, how it'll change and how, how uh, men in particular will focus on certain aspects. So they'll cut out the sensuality and go for more of the like, what they consider um, arousing. It's the sociology on some of the stuff is just so fucking out there. Well, it doesn't help that the that the media hypersexualizes people. You know, Aber, you brought up the two thousand odds. The the Habercrabbie and French they hypersexualized men and even created that 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 sensual culture among gay men with their advertising. And advertising plays a big role in the normalization of sex in our culture. I've never seen that since the beginning of of media of of you know recorded media in the last century. Well, and that's the important thing to. To, go, to harp on is because it's just like what uh, uh, Otto said earlier with the, um, the representation. So a lot of people will tell you that like media doesn't affect them or propaganda doesn't affect them, but it does. It's consciously does, it subconsciously affects you. Like for instance, if you don't have kids right now, you have an idea of how to raise a child based off of the information that you've gained from other places, like stories from parents, stories from friends. All this information goes into your subconscious and it basically files it into stuff. So having this representation is kind of like if you break the representation in the sense of removing these certain uh, hypersexualizations, you can actually start to see changes in it. And that's why I like what Otto said about the representation inside of media pertaining to trans characters who that's not the only faucet of their being helps like with the marginalized communities it actually helps quite a bit and that's what we start yeah instead of the instead of the stereotype like people saying that you can't talk about like gay relationships or transgender people to kids and it's like why not we talk about straight relationships to kids stop making it a sex thing and like like it's bad when it's love is love and it's like normalize the fact that gay relationships are loving relationships just like straight relationships normalize that trans people are people just like anyone else i think that's a really good point to make i'm sorry no go ahead point to make too that like a lot of times when we put these marginalized groups in 
like media these days, a lot of the plots in these TV shows and movies are centered around that marginalized experience. And maybe if we have more things that starred marginalized people, but the plots were them being regular living normal lives where it's not some tragedy surrounding their experience as a marginalized person mm-hmm. maybe it would be more normalized in society we would see these people living their everyday lives like i think especially mm-hmm. with tv shows where you follow somebody's life for a few seasons and you see what it is for them to live day to day it shouldn't always be a traumatic experience about their identity we need to see more regular portrayals of these groups of people it's kind of like especially as a fat person like a lot of fat people in movies especially comedies like you see all the jokes surrounding their fatness but then when there was a show i don't know if you guys remember this corny ass show from like the 2010s mike and molly oh yeah and they were just yeah. in like their own cute like relationship, living everyday life, married. I think they were trying to have children at one point. It's been a really long time since I watched it, but like you follow them in their everyday life issues. The show wasn't about them being fat. And I think we need more of that. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of uh speaking of trans identity representation in the media, Raven's Home, a sequel to That's So Raven on Disney's channel, Disney Channel, uh, they are coming out with their new episode that represents a trans character, Disney's first ever trans character played by Juliana Joel. Uh, will be played by the name Nikki. She's a fashion hire that Raven has brought on to help her with her artistry. So that is really awesome that Disney has now brought on their first trans character on Disney Channel of all places. I mean, I think that's a great start for the network. 20,000. I'm not going to praise them for I'm not praising them. I'm just saying it's about time (laughs) that they've, that's about time that they've done it. No, I agree with that. It's just like I know it's like ugh, it's about time. Disney and Carson yeah, I did acting stuff in 2015, and Disney was one of the producers. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, IMTA, the International uh, Talent and Model Association. It's a convention that happens every year. There's one in New York and one in LA. But I went to New York, and Disney was one of the producers that was there, and basically. I did not have a good experience with them. No, you wouldn't have. Um, How could you? Yeah, they, they did not like me. I didn't really get anywhere with that because my um, agency was also from Ohio and they kind of set me up to fail. Very bad. Yeah, it's, it's Disney is definitely a company that uh, did not stand for the LGBTQ plus community during the Don't Say Gay uh, fiasco back early in uh, Florida, back in the early 2022. That's this year. It's coffee's like, oh, so much has happened since that time. But they they didn't do anything, and then they stood up and said, "Oh, well, we don't stand for it." After they funded the politicians that voted for the bill, so there's there's not much merit to that. So, Ato, can I can we ask you a few questions before we hop off to our next interview? Sure. Can we ask you what got you into. Um... Japanese culture and Shintoism so deeply. My dad is Japanese, but I was disconnected from him because my mom and him separated and he went back to Japan and I was raised by my mom here. 
And, but then when I graduated from high school, I went to Japan and I lived for a couple of years and I, I make music and I don't know if you're familiar with the style visual K, but I do crossover between visual K and hip hop and uh, visual K I always say is like, it's uh, a lot of people try to compare it to glam rock, but it's different because Visual yeah. K is not just about, it is a lot of genres. Like you can have a Visual K song that is literally a pop song or a power ballad or a hip hop track or a rock song or metal. It can be any genre. What makes it Visual K is the way it's presented. Um, mm-hmm. It's all, it's a lot about the aesthetic. So I always say Visual K is half music, half aesthetic. Um, and besides that, I just started getting into Shintoism because I, like I said, I was never really, I was never really religious. I was more on the scientific end and more of an existentialist. Like I feel the things that the choices you make is what affects your life. I still believe that way, but um, I've just felt more connected to my cultural spirituality. And I don't know, just something shifted since COVID hit and everything. I just felt like there's just something more there. I don't know. Mm. I think it's so cool that you lived in Japan for a couple of years. What would you say is the biggest difference between Japanese society and American society? That <laughs> well, wow. The, like the fact that they are their government actually cares about the infrastructure is probably one. Like you honestly, that's a big one. For- honestly, that's a big one. The clean the cleanliness. Yes. Like I lived right in Tokyo, downtown. Uh, um I always call myself King of Shinjuku because that's my city. Um, I don't know if you know, but Tokyo isn't a city. It's a prefecture and it's divided up into 23 cities. And my city was Shinjuku, which is the, like the biggest one, I guess you'd say. Um, have, but I lived there. Harajuku. Those are the main places I was going and frequenting. Yeah. But- Harajuku is in Shibuya. Oh, I that is- went there. I went there a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been there. The Shinjuku like... has like Kabukicho, Nichome, uh, Shinokubo, Takaranababa. Basically, Shinjuku has everything. They have the red light district, the gay district, the uh, <laughs> business district, the college town district, Korea town. It's pretty much everything that's not on the tourist, not on your little tour guide. <laughs> were you a host in Japan? Did, did you ever, were you a host? You have the host. <laughs> I could see you as a host. Yeah, no? <laughs> was I? <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> Definition of success. My definition of success is success is something that is different for every person. What is successful to you is not success for someone else. Like some people, their ultimate success might be to get married and have a family and raise their children. And, you know, that's their version of success. But another person's version of success might be to pursue their art, like music or acting or something like that. And they just want to do the solo thing and just focus all their energy into their art. Or, and then somebody else just might want a simple life, just, you know, just, do the things that feel good and make them happy and surround themselves by f- good people. And that could be success for them. So you mentioned content at existing. I love that. You mentioned you had a music career. 
Can you tell me a little bit yes. more about that? Tell me a little, yes. tell us a little more about that. Yes, I have been making music since January 2011. Before that, I was writing when I was in high school. I wrote a lot of stuff and I've been revisiting it recently and like reworking it because, you know, it was amateur, but a lot of the lines were good. So I've just been like re reworking it to make it more of a, a, a usable song. Do you have anything um, but, to share yeah, yet? Yeah, I started. Yeah, I actually have like a website, page, SoundCloud. It's at jeff13.com. Uh, that's pretty much all my social media is at jeff13. That's my like stage name thing. Uh, that's it's been since like 2008 when I started on YouTube, and oh there was a lot of trolls. So I did the whole delete fucking everything for a while, and then I made my comeback on online <laughs> but uh yeah i my i just released my album existential decay and it is kind of and it's funny because i titled it and came up with the theme before covid hit and um i always call my stuff like music with a message because the whole premise of existential decay is like just living and existing in this postmodern society and how like just the downfall of how everything is in this capitalistic world. And then it's funny because then COVID hit and I'm like, wow, this is like literally timing because it's, it's like everything. It's like right here. It's the here and now. So I just released that on August 13th and it is available on Amazon, Spotify, basically anywhere where you can stream music. It's on there. Um, Do we have permission to share? Sure. Yeah, definitely. By all means. Do we have permission to play it on repeat so you gain more ad rev or more revenue from it? Absolutely. Can I play? I can I much play appreciated. I will can start I play on some of the computers at work because I have like, <laughs> I'll just start playing them on that on repeat. Awesome. Can I, can I play some? Can I play a part of a song on our show right here today after like for editing after? Can I play? Can sure. I like stream Definitely. it on the show? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God. Stuff that way. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna play some of your music today. So sucking dick out bad just to pay for the shit. I don't believe it, I still owe a bit. Told me I'm nothing, I'd never make it. Talentless fag only uses to sell it. My beats are lame and I can't sing for shit. Lyrics are vulgar, but my passion is lit. Make up too heavy, my pants don't fit. Never give up, I put my heart in it. They say life's not fair, but they gotta be more than this. Ten years ago, baby, I was singing songs saying exactly this. So young and hopeful, I just want to protect that kid. I'm here now, strong and resilient because of that kid. They say less is more, but I think more is less. The more I indulge, the satisfaction is less. To be happy isn't built on money and success, but I need that cash to afford happiness. I got a life and my life ain't less. Depressed but well-dressed, I love this mess. having you on the show today thank you so much Brooke, for joining us thank you for having me on i have fun well i'm so glad and Atta, thank you for being here with us today it's been such a pleasure it's been a pleasure to be here thank you for having me on thank you such a pleasure having you all on there lucy thank you so much i'll see you next week thing you make my heart go doki doki i think i said uh, I think it said karara instead of kokoro. <laughs> <laughs> like, my heart goes 
boop, boop, boop. Instead, I think I said my body goes boop, boop, boop. I mean, it could be <laughs> It works either we come way. Up with a, we come up with a new phrase. I love it. <laughs>